The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Hey guys, it's Blot Harris here. I'd like to take a second to introduce our newest friends from SeatGeek. Let them take the confusion on your ticket buying experience. Instead of shopping dozens of sites to find the best deal, let SeatGeek do the work for you. Their app scans the web for the best deals to your favorite game, concert, or show, and rates them on a scale of 0 to 10 to let you know if you're getting the best bang for your buck. A green dot marks great, yellow makes good deals, red dot not so good deals. Use our promo code ACAA at checkout to receive $20 off your first purchase. That's two free beers on the same M&M. What are you waiting for? That's promo code ACAA for $20 off your first purchase. Seeking. Life's an event. We have the tickets. Hey guys, it's Vlad Harris here with another Panther Ranch podcast. Happy Tuesday to you guys. Ha- you know, happy, um, yeah, basically it's a new Monday. You know, t- you know this week Tuesday's obviously a new Monday. Off a uh, Memorial Day weekend, just in case you thought it was National Barbecue Weekend. You know, as we're getting that, getting that out of the way. Although, I did find it hilarious that I'm checking my timeline on Twitter. And everybody's asking where the barbecue's at. Who's firing up the grill? So, I kind of got to check out all that. And I can see why people, you know, throw those memes around. Because, you know, although some people... They get their um, dates confused. I mean, I see people... They get Memorial Day and Veterans Day... Um, confused. Because I saw Mirage posts of people thinking their um, you know, loved ones... They're still alive for their service. And, you know, you always do that. But... Um, the message seems to get a little bit... Um, I guess... Misconstrued, I guess. But um, you know, a lot of times, one thing a veteran for their service. A lot, of t- a lot of times they they appreciate, it, but they don't. I don't have to thank them. You know, for them, they think the ones that you know that didn't come back. They're the ones he's you know they think for their sacrifice. But um. You know, my dad marched the parade. And one thing I, they, they got mentioned on social media is uh, my dad. Has, my dad doesn't talk about Vietnam, which is, you know, if you're if you're making one of these posts about you know, your significant your, your your loved one, I think you want to leave that stuff out, you know, because it doesn't really need to be there. Although I did, although I did get my dad to open up about Vietnam, 
not long ago, and it's funny because I remember I he has a lot of his old stuff from Vietnam. He has his boots. He's got the um, his jackets, dog tags. He's got a whole lot of stuff. I used to wear his army jacket, and this was like in '93 or '94. No, actually, it was '93. I wore it. And of course, they got made fun of by um, some people uh, for wearing an army jacket, an old army jacket. And a lot of them were, uh, you know, they're pretty much just kids wearing cross colors. And this is right around the time where grunge started to really take off, because of some people that laughed at me for wearing an army jacket, a beat down one. They were going to the thrift stores looking for uh, for the, for an army jacket. Yeah. They were doing all that. You know, the girls that wore, you know, cross colors and whatnot. Last more set comes out. Next thing you know, they're dressing Alanis. I mean, that year... That was a decent period. I mean, I mean summer 93, summer 94, I mean... Actually, it was more summer 94 when this started to really happen. Because you had, you know, Green Day really took off. You know, the song Basket Case was pretty, uh, you know, I mean, there was Longview, but it wasn't as big as, um, you know, it didn't really take off as Basket Case did. But I remember when I had that album, I heard When I Come Around, and I figured that was really going to, if there's one thing that was really going to put Green Day really in the mainstream, was that song. And it did. And then he had Offspring. He had, you know, that um, come out and play. But that self-esteem was the one that really sent him over the edge. And I just remember back, I think September, when that summer was over, Offspring had a concert. And it was like sold out within minutes. I mean, if you're talking like Green Day and Offspring at that time. Offspring had a really, really decent following at that point. Really good following. People love the offspring. But yeah, that was a, um, you know, 94, you know, 90, yeah, 93, 94, 95. I mean, that was, that was a period in its own. I mean, and there wasn't so much just that. I mean, you had, that's so much alternative and grunge. You had hip hop as well. I know people remember the gangster rap period, but there was also some good, you know, even the non-gangster rap, I mean, there was a lot of good music put out there as well. I mean, R&B. A lot of, I mean, regardless, I know metal was coming towards its end, but there was uh, still some good, uh, there was still, you know, good uh, so heavy metal music that was being put out. You figure, plus punk too, I mean, there was a lot, I mean, just that whole air was, there was a lot of good music put out there. I mean, I always say if um, if you're not crazy about today's music, I mean, there's so much good music in, in the '90s. A lot of it's yet to be discovered. Go, go discover it. So enough of that. For Pitt, not much going on, but I figure I, I would take this time, to, this little segment, to rank their. There's seven victories of 2019. 
what's crazy about it is, is these things are really hard to rank because well there's two obvious ones they, they won seven games Albany and Georgia Tech are your bottom two for obvious reasons they happened early in the season before all this shit hit the fan but then you got the next five and the next five are so hard to rank because they all have because the reason why is Pitt put themselves in so much of a hole early in the season that every game was significant it was important in every 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 way You know, I mean, when I was looking at them, initially I wanted to rank Syracuse as the, the, the number one most important victory because it, um, it turned the tie of the season around. I mean, you know, plus not only that, the game ended on the interception in the end zone during overtime. I mean, that's a point where Pitt's defense was, you know, was still kind of vulnerable. But then you got Duke. Pitt won that game on a last-minute touchdown pass. And then, of course, you got Virginia, and that was at Virginia. And at the time, I think UVA was, I think, uh, six and two. It was in the it was in the rain. Pitt pulled that one off, twenty-three thirteen. Then you got the Wake Forest game where Pitt was down at halftime and Pitt just rolled on him in the second half. And that game itself clinched the the Coastal Division. And you could say that one is number one overall. Well, there's Virginia Tech where Pitt just out, flat out destroyed them. I mean, you could say pretty much <laughs> you rank them one to three. And it's a five-way tie between um, Syracuse, UVA, Virginia Tech, Duke, and Wake Forest. Because I mean, they're just—they were just so many good games, and they were very important. And for me, it sucks because I was hoping to make this a long, a longer segment, and now it's—I killed it already. I took the half-assed way out and ranked them all a tie. Well, I mean, if you're going number one overall, you're going to rank Wake Forest number one overall because Pitt won that game and it clinched the Coastal. You're obviously going to rank that one always. I think um, number two, you rank probably Duke. And the reason why is because it was a last-second touchdown, practically, and it was a hell of a throw. Because we, I think we were all expecting overtime at that point, but Pitt pulled it off, and of course, Pitt got a safety on the, on the, on the ensuing play. But I mean, the game was pretty much over at that point. So you probably put Duke number two. I say number three, you probably put Syracuse because that really turned the tide of the season. And of 
course, we've got not to mention our attitudes towards Pitt that, that season wasn't too good. We thought pretty much the season was in the in the in the shooter for the most part. But uh, Coleman made one hell of a play on the ball and pulled it off. I think number four, you give uh, you. You have to give the you know the UVA game because they were six and two, heavily favored. I think they're heavily favored, but they were an obvious favorite. It was at Charlottesville in the rain and pit um it was down, I think, in that game two at halftime, 10-7, I think. They won 23-13. Defense defense played a hell of a game because uh UVA's uh, quarterback was on a was on a nice little roll and they they limited the hell out of him. And of course, number five would be Virginia Tech. That pitch is freaking steamrolled Virginia Tech. You know, it's not the you know it's not the same lunch pal defense as you remember it. Nope, not at all. So there we go. I ranked them already. I got Wake one, Duke two, Syracuse three, UVA four. Tech 5, 6 Georgia Tech, and 7 Albany. Now, next you know, next podcast, I'll do the top plays of you know, of that season, but those are basically your... That's how I'd rank the wins in general. I could... You know, you could, you could probably flip Duke and uh, Syracuse for number 2. Or the top 3, you can flip... I mean, the top 3 I have, you can, you can flip them any way you want. But Wake, I, you know, Wake was obviously number one because Pitt, they they got over the hump. They won the Coastal. Number two, I think yes, I said Duke because you know it was a, a lat. They need a, it was a touchdown in the last second. Syracuse three, you know, interception in the end zone and overtime. But also one thing that realized about the Syracuse game was, was Kessman in that game. Nailed some really big kicks in that game. I think he was three for three. I think he yanked. I think right before halftime, he he he, uh, he drilled one from like fifty some yards. And I think also his uh, yeah his 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 kick put the game in overtime as well. But yeah, they're all hard to rank. But let's hope. We're ranking some more games next year because seven is just too little. I mean, they should have beat Stanford. I mean, if they had a passing game, they would have. If they had had some sort of passing game against Penn State, maybe the score's a little different. Penn State probably still wins, but we're not losing by, you know, 51 to 14 or whatever the score was. Maybe the, the, the loss against uh, Clemson was, you know, was more respectable. And maybe the loss against Miami is more respectable because that's what really hurt us. I mean, Miami's defense was very physical, but they took away our passing game and that was it. There you go. Uh, the NHL playoffs happened. Game one was last night. And um, you know, I took, I took the Blues. I didn't take the Blues. I took the Bruins. 
take game one. It wasn't looking good for my pick, but then uh, the Bruins shook off their rust and scored four answer goals to you know to take game one. One was empty netter. I can see this series going seven games because the Blues are hungry. And as one person pointed out in the Busted Locker podcast, he pointed out that this game could, will be in, will be over in four and five because this was a good opportunity for the, the Blues to uh, make some noise this series. This was, a game, this was a game they had to have. And I guess a really rust, rusty Boston team, and they can only manage two goals and end up losing the game. Because then you have to go back to Boston a day or two later. And Boston's already shook off the rust. And if you watch the game, you know, the Blues, when they play discipline, they're hard to beat. Here, they can't afford any mistakes. Because the Bruins are obviously more talented. And if you watch a lot of the... uh, plays the Bruins made they didn't, there were some ones that they didn't connect on and if they would have they would have scored more goals so I can you know take apart that whole thing is that the fact that Boston was on an off they caught the, they caught the Bruins on an off day and it makes you wonder how things would have been if the Bruins weren't off would the score be a lot, lot worse? We don't know. Hard to say. But, um... Obviously, Baruby has a, um... He's got a tall order ahead of him, and... I'm, you know, I'm not sure if they even... You know, even rethinking that, this whole thing... I'm not sure if they even take, they even take game two of this series... I think Boston's going to be in game two, but they're going to have to go probably back to St. Louis and regroup. That's all I can say. Because this obviously, this is not the Sharks they're facing. The Bruins are just a lot better. And of course, the NBA playoffs, well, the championship is set. We got the Warriors versus the Raptors. We got Kawhi. Who, um, he, you know, last time he played the Warriors in the playoffs, Zaza Pachulia stepped on his foot and hurt him. And he was off for a series, and that was game one. And the Spurs got swept. They were up 21 points in that game, or 23, before that happened. And a lot of people say, you know, they demonize Zaza for yeah, Zaza is you know is a dickhead. He's known to do dirty things. But I think in I think in the case of uh, Kawhi, he was actually really really hurt. And if he doesn't get hurt then, he probably gets hurt later in that series anyway. So, 
I don't really think that um, it would have mattered much. I think the Warriors would have eventually figured things out and eventually won, won that series. Pop, you know, and his coaching would have kept it close. But I think, the, I think overall, Golden State would have won that series. I think Kawhi, his ankle would have gave out again. He was not in a good place with that you know, with an injury. And now he gets some time off the rest of his knee. So, as far as this series goes, I said that the, uh, the Blazers would push the Warriors to six games. I fell miserably in that pick. Because I underestimated how well he coached the Warriors are. And I can, you know, I think the Raptors will actually push this to at least six games as well. But I think the Warriors ultimately win. Raptors have a really good defense. And they've actually beat the uh, Warriors twice this season. But playing... You know, the same team several times in a week or two, in a week or week and a half time span. This is a little different than playing on separate occasions during a big regular season. There's a lot more at stake, and teams can get game plan against you a lot easier. Because all they got to do is focus on you. Not all, not all the other teams at this point. But um, I think if um, if Kitty was still hurt, the series could go seven. But with Kitty back, and that's the other thing with the the two two losses for the Raptors, or the two wins for the Raptors, Warriors dealt with injuries that those two losses. I think Curry was hurt for one. I think Kitty was hurt for the other. So, yeah, not good. But uh, they get Kitty back, and there you go. But, um, yeah, I think that series goes probably at the most six games. I think the Raptors will get at least one win. And then the rest, the Warriors. And you know that's just that's just how it is. I mean, that's just it's a case of dealing with a dynasty, and that's what dynasties do. They wouldn't get they wouldn't they win games and win championships. They make some people happy. They piss off some others. Oh well. Now. Sports talk this morning is dominated by Bill Buckner talk, and obviously, if you've done some more research, and I know you all have, you know that Bill Buckner wasn't the sole reason the Red Sox blew that World Series. They had plenty of opportunities. Not to mention that was a Game Six. I think they had a game. I think they had Game Seven at home. I think, or no, maybe they didn't. I forget. But I know they had one more game to play, and they blew that one too. Not to mention they, um, 
that whole you know, that whole inning that um, they played where Buckner made the error that was a it was just I think that it was just bad. So no, I don't totally blame. I don't think anyone should. And then, you know, ESPN did a, did a special on this about Buckner's life after the um, the error. The guy practically had to move his family to Idaho, I believe. It was, it was either Idaho or Iowa, one or two. Basically, he had to take his entire family off the grid just so they could live a normal life because his kids were getting bullied in school over the uh, over the air. So this guy pretty much had to take himself away from everything because of this. And... You know, Boston. You know, after, after they, you know, after Boston won their World Series, I think it was after they won their second one. They invited Bill Buckner back, and um, he almost didn't go. I mean, him and his wife had to discuss it, and you could. I mean, you could tell his wife was still pissed off over this because she saw the signs that they were that, that, that he was forgiven. And for her, she said, they weren't the ones that had to forgive. We had to forgive. And I totally understand where she was coming from on this. They had to forgive the fan base for the crap that they put them through. And, you know, I, you know now that the guy is, you know, he's passed away, I mean, at least him and him and, you know, him and Boston, they made their peace, and all that was gone long before he passed away. And the, I mean, the guy had a hell of a career. Despite despite what that happened, the guy had a hell of a career. I mean, he was one hell of a hitter. You know, minus his injuries, he probably would have, you know, he probably would have had over 3,000 hits. But anyways, guys, I'm out on this one. I don't think there's very much else to talk about. There really hasn't been much else going on. I mean, I'm sure we'll find some other fun topics to discuss. I mean, there's Joey Porter talking about, you know, Ben using his power for um, himself. If Joey Porter maybe still had a job, does he still say all this stuff about Ben? I mean, if you had these, I mean, if there weren't, if these issues were there, I don't know, maybe you would talk about it. Not wait till uh, after the fact. I don't know. Anyways, guys, enjoy your short week, Hiddle Pit.